Welcome to Audience First, a podcast for tech marketers looking to break out of the echo chamber to better understand their audience and turn them into loyal customers. Every week, Danny Wolf has brutally honest conversations with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them, the things they hate that vendors do, and what you can do about it. Get access to practical information on how to build authentic relationships with your audience. Listen to and talk with your buyers and apply real customer insights to your strategies and tactics. You owe it to the world to unmute your mic. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of Audience First. I'm super stoked today because today is part two of this season's three-part kickoff series which I'm going to be giving you all the lessons I've learned from a year and a half's work doing deep qualitative customer research in the security space. Last week, we went over the top lessons that I learned with regards to methods and mindset as it applies to customer research. This week, we're going to be covering the top insights that I learned from 50 plus buyers I interviewed. So we're going to break it down for you. I've distilled everything that I've learned. It's going to be a short episode, which is quite nice because I spent a year and a half interviewing people and we're going to be able to get this down condensed to hopefully under 15 minutes. I don't know. We'll see. So let's see uh, where we are on the timer by the time uh, we finish this episode. When I kicked off Audience First podcast and I started figuring out how I wanted to interview buyers, I went in wanting to understand a few things. And remember last week when we talked about the mindset and the methods, as a refresher, I, I had mentioned to you that it's really crucial to understand what it is that you want to know from your research. Setting up your goals, your research goals and your objectives is important or else your research is going to go to waste. So going back to what I needed to know, I sat down with myself and I said, okay, what are the challenges that I'm experiencing? What do I need to know? What are the insights I need to extract in order to actually apply that to what I need to achieve as a demand gen marketer? Let's start listing the questions. And these are pretty high level questions in terms of trying to understand experiences of buyers, but they're open-ended, which allows me to dig into the why, okay? So I wanted to know motivations, right? I wanted to know why practitioners do what they do. Beyond the, I need the paycheck, right? The really high paycheck excuse. What's their motivation for working in the industry? Like, why are they even in this, this freaking industry that causes so much stress? Number two, what, what are the biggest challenges that they're facing in their role? Not just as human beings, but in their role as a CISO, as VP of Information Sec Security, as Director of SOC, whoever the person is that I'm talking to at that particular time. Third is, what goals are they trying to achieve in their role? Then I want to know, what are the triggers that actually cause them to look at a new security so solution? Here we're getting into the, the buyer's journey. What are the constraints or the barriers that they, they have uh, when it comes to buying solutions? How do they go about searching for solutions? Here, this is deep in the buying journey, the tactical part of the buying journey, right? What are the decisions that they, they make when they buy? What are the decision criteria? How uh, do they like to be treated by vendors? How do they not like to be treated by vendors? That applies to the customer experience. These are the things that I deeply wanted to know before actually digging into the, the interviews. That allowed me to create the discussion guides, which then allowed me to become a lot more prepared for the interviews. 
whether you're a seasoned pro in security or you're just dipping your toes in the cyber and infosec space, these specific distilled insights that I have for you today are going to help you understand not just the what, but the why behind the buyer decisions and, and their experiences. Okay, so let's get started. Whenever I uh, start an interview with a cybersecurity practitioner, I, I always lead in with, who are you? What do you do? And why the hell do you do it? And, and the why the hell do you do it is really a, a question for me to understand. What are their motivations for working in the cybersecurity industry? Across the board, it's an in interesting observation. A lot of the reasons why people are working in this, this industry is mostly due to intrinsic motivation. A lot of these people want uh, to be part of the mission of protection. They want to help people. And a lot of these people are really, they're tinkers. They like fixing things. They like solving com complex problems. And so the pros in this industry often have this deep-rooted passion for problem-solving. They have this deep-rooted passion and strong sense of duty. I love, love, love how they're driven by this challenge to tackle complex problems and complex uh, security issues and people issues. That satisfaction of protecting people and organizations from, from threats is what drives them. So for them, it really it's more than just a job. It's about making that real difference in this rapidly evolving space and market. And that really resonates with me. That's good thinking about it now, why I'm in this industry. That's really my motivation too, and, and why I resonate so much with, with a lot of the professionals that I speak to and really why I'm in this industry. All right. Second question that I ask my guests on the podcast, if, if you listen to an episode or two, is what is your bleeding neck challenge? And when I say bleeding neck, what is the deepest problem that you're trying to solve right now in your role? And there are few answers that I get across the board in the 50 plus interviews. I'm told that it's data governance, it's tech complexity, it's how to communicate with the board without killing them with numbers, it's dealing with people and skill shortages, it's time management, it's dealing with legacy tools, and it's asset management. Those are the, the core things that are showing up and emerging cons consistently in the interviews. So again, these challenges, they're reflecting the high stakes, the fast-paced nature of this space. Dealing with these advanced and evolving technologies also while ensuring that, that they're compliant with all these regulations happening and managing these scarce resources for them, really, it is a tall order. That's what the, what's keeping them up at night. And I loved digging into a lot of the conversations that I've had, especially over the summer, um, now that I think about it. The difficulty, I, I see that a lot of practitioners have difficulty communicating across the board with different departments, not just with the board, but with different departments. That's a huge issue in security. Communicating security with other tech stakeholders that are in charge of products, right? That are in charge of organizations, that are in, in charge of, that have fiduciary duties, uh, that are in charge, in charge of the finances, right? So that to me was super fascinating that not only the marketers and the sales have issues communicating with the tech people, but the tech people have issues communicating with the non-tech people across the board and the tech people within the organization. All right, what are you trying to solve in your role? What are your goals 
in your role? That's the 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 third question I generally ask my guests. And the trends that emerge in the answers are we have to protect critical assets. We need to make decisions quickly. We need efficient operation. We need to protect the data, right? The focus is on prioritizing what's most at risk and agility. Security practitioners, they need to shield what's most valuable within the organization, and they need those tools and the information to respond swiftly to those threats. Ultimately, it's it's not about 100% security. It's about what's most at risk right now, what's prioritized right now. Let's create a security posture that's robust enough and flexible to, to deal with that at this particular moment. I generally set up this question into a scenario. Take me back to the time when you had to evaluate a specific solution to solve for X problem or to solve for X goal. What happened? And this question is basically setting up the the buyer to give me an experience, an anecdote to, to divulge the triggers for evaluating security solutions. And in the conversations that that I've had, what's mostly emerged is that, okay, Danny, we have some new requirements within the organization, or uh, we have vendor dissatisfaction. Oh, but hey, there there are emerging threats happening right now, and we need new technologies for that. We have regulatory and compliance demands, or there are internal shifts within the organization. So these triggers... I found our response, again, to this really dynamic nature of our landscape. We see that there are new threats emerging. We see that there are new tactics and techniques also emerging. Regulations are changing. They're being updated. Organizations are evolving. And so that's requiring these buyers, right, to reevaluate periodically the, the security solutions. Sometimes a big one, by the way, the tech is just isn't hacking it anymore. And so they just need a new tool. Barriers to buying. Um, this was a, a long list, a long list, but I'm going to distill it into the most uh, popular answers that I've gotten. Barriers to buying are the fact that they have to go through manual processes or their team is not mature enough. Hey, Mr. or Ms. Vendor, vendor, we have other priorities right now, so now's not the time. A popular reason also is that the actual technology that they played around with during POC is clunky or there are actual vulnerabilities within the vendor technology and the buyer hacked the technology and found a lot of holes there. Another reason was vendor demanding way too much from the buyer. These barriers, they're highlighting the practical and operational constraints that these um, customers are facing, whether it's the hassle of outdated process, maturity levels, competing priorities, if their concerns about vendor overreach. These are the primary barriers that I've heard that are influencing purchasing decision. All right, the buyer's journey. So I, I always like to know, how do you actually go about evaluating the solution? Take me through the actual journey. What do you do? What are the steps you take? Everybody likes to to dig into this and somehow give an infographic on, I see these infographics on LinkedIn, whether they're linear, not linear, squiggles, lines, huge mazes, but really across the board with every single buyer that I've talked to, it's been relatively the same. 
the journey involves talking to the community, having discussions through the community, which whether it's Slack, whether it's Discord, whether it's at an event like an ISACA or ISSA. Then what happens is they do their thorough research, right? On their on their own, apart from the actual conversations with their peers. They go online, they look through the websites, they actually read through the documentations. They do their, then they do their uh, deep vendor comparisons. And those take about two to three months at any given time, four months sometimes. And then, only then, do they reach out through the website, fill in the forms, and then have the conversation and start initiating the conversation with the vendor, with the right people at at the uh, organization, which are generally sales engineers, to to continue on to a POC if they've made it through the vendor comparisons, right? And so, again, this is just basically highlighting and indicating the need for a community-based decision-making. They rely heavily on their peers for opinions. They do their detailed research on their own. They're not looking for these aggressive sales outreach tactics. When they are ready, they will come. And it's hard for them to navigate this crowded and complex market of security solutions. There's tool sprawl. That's a huge challenge for them. If there's a way that we can somehow figure this out for them and reduce the complexity and reduce the friction for them, huge deal. All right, decision criteria. What actually got these security practitioners to decide, yes, okay, now I'm actually going to be moving on with purchasing this specific uh, vendor solution. Again, our emerging themes are the vendor and the tool aligns with the business need. Uh, there was a good user experience. It, it, it answered my uh, compliance needs. Support looks good. It integrates with uh, my existing uh, tech and tool stack. So these are the criteria that are underscoring the need for a solution to not only meet the tech requirements, right, but also align with the broader business goals right? Uh, user friendliness is huge. Compliance with the regulations is huge. Reliable support, not just support, but reliable support is a key, key, key factor. And, you know, we talk about defense in depth integrations and being API driven. My favorite part of uh, my podcast really is the shit list. And the shit list basically is, is a, a list and a list of things that buyers do not like that vendors do with you know things that piss them off you know i ask this in two ways one is what rules do you think vendors are breaking these days and i also ask them what's a bad experience that they go through and i generally get uh, the same response across the board which is pushy and aggressive sales tactics but there are other things that are really fun to go through fun not fun really but generally what what emerges through the conversation are, are fear tactics you know, the egos, chauvinism, sexism in this industry, the use of jargon, a gatekeeping, people who are trying to level up, a profit first attitudes comes up, bullying comes up, uh, people just being stuck in their echo chambers, misunderstandings. You know, I feel like this is, this is not unique to security, but it's very, very, very prevalent. And you know, it's very clear that these challenges and, and dislikes point to a deep desire in this in this uh, space and community for more authentic and respectful uh, and transparent interactions. So, if you're if you're a, 
aware of these dislikes, just do the exact opposite. It's very, very simple. You know, these practitioners, they resent tactics that feel manipulative or disrespectful. Uh, they want to work with vendors and they want to engage with vendors who truly understand and address their challenges, but not only that, do things, do things honestly, right? I always like to end my episodes on a positive note, right? And we're ending, ending this episode on a positive note. I always ask buyers, okay, well, um, let's flip it on its head. We talked about what you don't like. Let's talk about things that made you, made you feel good, right? Because, you know, frankly, B2B buying, enterprise buying, a lot of it is emotional. There's a lot at stake. And we want people at the end of the day also to feel good. You know, perhaps that's going to make them work with us, Not maybe, maybe not now, but in the future. So I asked them, yeah, what makes you feel good? And a lot of them say, yeah, hey, look, if you could lead with, with respect and honesty, if you can come in and solve, let me understand one problem that I need to solve. If you can come in and, and build an authentic relationship, give me clarity, and at times, you know, come in and give me emergency support when shit hits the fan. Like give me trusted information and, and let's have realistic conversations and, and please be available. Those preferences are going to give you a seat at the table. They value vendors who are not just selling, you know, products, but are committed to understanding and solving specific uh, problems in a transparent way, right? So there you have it. I mean, that's a year plus worth of customer insight distilled into one episode, right? You don't have to go about doing that. This is this is general trends across the board. I mean, certainly there are a lot more nuggets that I have, specific nuggets that I have and insights that I have that I can share. But again, these are the trends I'm seeing among the practitioners I've spoken to. So um, I, I want to thank you for joining me on this deep dive. Uh, stay with me for the next episode coming up. We're going to be sharing how you can actually take these insights and apply them into action. This has been another episode of Audience First. We are out. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Audience First. If you like what you've heard, feel free to follow or subscribe to Audience First on Apple, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streamers.